Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. It's so good to have you here. I just love talking with you. Today, we're talking about something so interesting, um, intuitive eating. Now, I am not an expert in intuitive eating at all, but I have worked with people who have tried intuitive eating and it hasn't worked for them. And that's the piece I want to talk about. There are some things I love about intuitive eating, which I will tell you, and there's some things where I think it's a good start, but doesn't take us all the way where we need to go. And that's that's what's inspired this, is that there's a lot of things that are good about it. Now, I did do a quick Google search and saw that there are 10 principles and all these. So it looks like it has the elements there that could work, but there's a, I think there's a gap in understanding, and I don't know if it's in the intuitive eating universe or if it's just lost in translation somewhere. So I'm going to give a shot at filling that gap and telling you where I think we need a little more understanding in order to make parts of this work. So the parts that I love about intuitive eating is the idea of not judging, non-judgment. It's so important. It is so important in weight loss, but in eating and how we feel about ourselves and our trust with ourselves, not judging the foods that we want, the foods we decide to eat, and our behaviors as we're paying attention to them and changing them, it is imperative that we drop the judgment. If you've ever felt stuck in weight loss, I promise you it's because there's judgment there. And the diet culture, the, the restriction and deprivation, that sets us up to judge ourselves. That make It makes us think there's a right way and a wrong way and that we're doing it wrong and then we're paralyzed and we're judging ourselves. And that keeps us stuck. We cannot then go forward and make decisions because we're stuck in the spiral of I'm doing it wrong, it's wrong, I'm wrong, everything's wrong, terrible. Again, when we feel bad that way, which of course it inevitably makes us feel terrible if we feel like we're doing it wrong, we can't do it, everything's impossible. And the only way we have to cope is eating, then we're getting the spiral of eating and eating and eating more. So judgment keeps us stuck. So anything that helps us not judge ourselves around our food choices, about food in general, anything that does that is a-okay in my book. So that piece of it, perfect. And some of the ways they go about it, I think, in intuitive eating is is just to take away any thoughts, any negative thoughts about food. So anything you you want, you should have in the quantities that you want them. That that in that way, if you get used to that idea, then your your judgment is gone. I think I understand the where they're going with this. Like the idea is, if you can have anything you want whenever you want, you'll get tired of it. Kind of idea. And again, this is the piece that I, I don't think translates really well. The non-judgment piece translates great. It's true. The idea of no bad foods, I have an episode on that. There really are no bad foods. You can have anything you want. This is the part where intuitive eating and I agree that there's nothing wrong with any food. The quantity and how it makes your body feel is what's important. And again, I think we share that. Getting in touch with our body I talk a lot about the hunger, your body's 
when it's hungry, uh, the hunger scale. And also we can, when we do that, we start paying attention to how food feels in our body. So which foods feel good, which foods feel bad. And that can lead us into a way of eating also. I think we're more apt to get there if we're paying attention to if we're hungry and when we're satisfied. Then we're just paying attention to our bodies in general. And then we start to make associations with when it feels better, which foods feel better for it. So again, that the part of intuitive eating that I am all for is listening for when your body's hungry and when it's satisfied. Very important. And I know that's part of intuitive eating. And also not judging your wants. It's so important. So yay for intuitive eating and that. Those are the two parts, the listening to your body and the not judging. Remember, I'm going to say that again, <laughs> because those things are so important. Whenever I'm working with anyone, that we work on those two pieces. And that's where intuitive eating and I overlap. But here are the places that we don't is I would be fine with pure intuitive eating if we were not eating any sugar or any flour. Now, I know that sounds dramatic. I don't talk about that, about about not eating sugar and flour. There are many ways of eating that promote that people promote that take out sugar and flour. And I will tell you right now that if you stopped eating all sugar and all flour, you 100% would be the way you want. I, I promise you. If you only ate whole foods, which is what that would be because you'd have no processed foods, then your body would get into a place where eating intuitively would make a ton of sense. I just think that sustaining yourself with no sugar and no flour is very, very challenging and unnecessarily so in our current culture environment. Now, people would definitely argue with me. And the 12-step food program, that's one of the tenets of it is no sugar, no flour. And people do very well. Like I said, if you... If you take out sugar and flour from your diet forever, you will have the body you want. Zero doubt in my mind. But like I said, I don't know that that's something that that we can do. The problem, of course, with that is because of our environment, we might bounce back and forth, feel deprived and want to eat that stuff. That That's the, the main issue I have with it is that I don't know that it's sustainable forever. I only like to do things that are sustainable forever. So- now, let me tell you about sugar and flour and why I think that if you never had sugar and flour again, you could do pure intu- intuitive eating and it would be fantastic. Sugar and flour are processed, right? So a sugar cane, I've, I've said some of these concepts before, but sugar cane, if you just ate it in a sugar cane and sucked on it, you would get some sweetness for sure, but you would get nothing like you get when they ground down the sugar cane and make a white powder out of it. That is too strong, too concentrated for our brain. Our brain lights up in a very excited way when it gets sugar that way because it's not how it happens in nature. Same with flour. Wheat, I mean, there's millions of flours now, but we'll just take a wheat chaff. It's if you sort of nod on it, you'd get all that fibrous stuff and you you wouldn't get as much um, of a hit as the flour, the endosperm, the inside that's 
pulverized and made into white powder. That is, again, too much for our brain. Now, obviously, it's not too much for our brain. We're, we Everyone happily eats it. But if you'll notice, there really is an ad, like an addictive quality about it. There is what it creates in our bodies are a couple things. In our brain, it creates over-desire. It wasn't originally created that we would eat that in this very, very processed way. So our brain is very excited by it. And it wants it over and over and over. And some of you may really, really feel this, like a, a very deep craving. And some people would say that people are addicted to it. I have seen that in my practice. Most people are not. But I absolutely have had some people who, like, it's like drug-seeking behavior, will go out in a dangerous part of town in the middle of night to get donuts. The truth is those people probably do best by eliminating it, just like alcohol for alcoholics. But that's not what this is about. And if you think you are that, that's something to explore. But a lot of us just crave it a lot. And taking it out of your diet would help. And whether that's something you want to do or not forever is totally up to you. But I'm just talking about having it as a part of our diet, as something that we can have if we'd like. So the sugar and the flour are processed. They create over-desire in our brain. And in our bodies, they create a huge glucose spike in our bloodstream with a concomitant insulin spike, right? Because it, when, wherever there's glucose, the insulin has to come in. So you have this big high and then a crash and our body, again, isn't really set up for that. When we eat whole foods, you know, like fruit that does have sugar, but it also has like the peel of the apple. So you have the fiber. It slows down the release. And so natural things have um, buffers in them, but not if we're having, you know, a piece of chocolate or a slice of cake. So what I don't think intuitive eating takes into account are, is this biological, this physiologic issue of sugar and flour. Because then if we're saying, oh, eat anything you want, well, if you eat cake in the morning, guess what you're going to want all day long? Is that intuitive eating? I, I don't think so. Your brain is hijacked. So I believe in intuitive eating. If our body is acting in the way it's supposed to with the foods that we're sort of supposed to eat, I'm putting that in, in air quotes, like that we were designed to eat, yes. But we have a lot more to deal with now. So if we feel like, you know, donuts in the morning, we are going to want sweet things all the rest of the day. And I don't think that that counts as intuitive eating. It feels like it. It feels like intuitive eating. Because we're like, oh, that's what I want. I'm going to eat that. But our brain is sort of not, it doesn't have its own <laughs> thinking on board. So that's my one of my biggest problems. I have two. That's one of them. And I don't know, I think it's very challenging to separate out your desire from the fact that you've eaten sugar from your desire to have something sweet. I just think that that's a lot to ask. I suppose it's possible to do. I just think that's it's very, very challenging. So the sugar and flour piece are very important. And again, I'm not saying not to have sugar and flour. I'm just saying I think it's 
too challenging to make the distinction between what you actually want and what your brain is sort of hijacked to wanting. So that's that's number one. And number two is this whole idea of decision. Because we still need to make decisions. There's wanting, which of course ties in with the sugar and flour. There's wanting something and then there's deciding what we're going to do. So I was thinking about this with sleep. Like we may want to sleep in every day, but the alarm clock goes off and we decide to get up. And there's some discomfort with that. But there's a bigger reason why we're getting up. We want a certain life. We want a certain work. We want to help, you know, make lunch. I mean, you know what I mean? Like there's there's reasons we get up. Even then we may want to sleep and sleep and sleep and then go to bed late. And, you know, there, there may be desires that we have for our sleep, but we create a system that helps us to support what we want for the rest of our life. And that's another part of intuitive eating that I I don't think is well-defined. So I absolutely believe in not feeling restricted and deprived because that always backfires. But what I do believe in is decisions. And decisions feel so different than restriction. When you're saying, I can't have that, first of all, there's judgment involved there. Saying, I can't, it's a bad food, I can't have it. But if you're saying, if you feel fine about all foods and you make decisions about your foods, that's what we're going for. So when we're making decisions, we can find out what feels the best in our body and decide to eat that on a regular basis. And then we can decide to have a glass of wine on Thursday. We can decide that we want birthday cake, you know, for our birthday or partner's birthday. Like there's decisions to be made, not in a way that's punishing or restrictive, but because I have a bigger goal for myself than just this minute of eating. That's such an important point, the context of eating. It's not only about pleasure in this particular moment. We fuel our bodies. We fuel our bodies to have a life we love. Eating is not life. Eating is a nice part of life. Eating is enjoyable. Eating is important because we need to fuel our bodies, but the rest of life is life. And so making a decision as if it's like the most important decision you could possibly make for lunch, you know, like what we're going to have for lunch, it's not. It's not the most important decision. So we make one that supports our goals. What are our goals? What do we want for our life? If weight loss is part of that because it supports the other things we want in life, and that's what we do here, weight loss for fertility, then we'll happily make decisions based on that for our food. So that doesn't mean restrictive, terrible, like dry chicken breast and a, you know plain broccoli. We don't have to do it that way. But we also don't have to feel sad about not having cake and ice cream and M&Ms on top for lunch. We're making decisions because we're grownups. 
I know that's a bummer sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, it's not always thrilling to realize I'm a grown up, but I am, and I can make decisions, meaning I can make decisions to have cake for breakfast and I can make decisions to have eggs and not, and it's not the end of the world and it's not restrictive and it, I don't have to rail against it. But only if you feel that way. So this is, this is the piece, this is where I come in when, uh, with my clients, helping them with the way we think about things and not in a manipulative brain way, but, uh, but where does it actually fit? What feels okay to you and what really doesn't? If something doesn't feel okay, then we'll figure that out and maybe you never do it. But what really does feel fine? And the way we do that is with decision-making. And the, the, the little thing I have with intuitive eating that is I don't think it takes decision-making into consideration. It feels like, or at least some of the clients I've worked with who have tried intuitive eating and it hasn't worked for them, is like any whim is fine. No, you get to decide. You balance it out for the occasion, the day, the month, the what's going on in your life. What are your goals for yourself? You're allowed to make decisions and decisions don't always feel restrictive. They're just decisions. It's like deciding to wake up at eight in the morning. It's a good idea. If you've decided it's a good idea for your life, you know what I mean? We can do things, you know, it's almost like we can do hard things. It doesn't even have to be hard. It's just a decision that works for you, for your body, for the goals that you have. And I promise you, you can get to a place where you're not judging yourself and you're making decisions and you're losing weight that, and it feels awesome because you feel proud. You feel in control of your life, not controlling your food, not that. It just feels like you can function in your life, like you have agency, like you can make decisions, you can get what you want. That feels awesome. And that's the place I like people to be. Not in the any, I can do any whim I want. That's not getting really what you want. You want bigger things than that. You want bigger things than a donut for dinner. You want family. You want purpose. You want, I'm not saying family is purpose. I'm saying family, comma, <laughs> purpose. Things that you want for your life, that you see for your life. Those are, that is life. That's what's important. Food and the way we think about it and the things that we eat support that. They are supporting characters. They are not the main character. So those are my thoughts about intuitive eating and where a lot of the main parts of it work very well, not judging and listening to your body. Hunger scales is all about listening to your body. The parts where I don't think they take into consideration are the processed nature of sugar and flour and how they hijack your brain and that decisions are a reasonable thing for a grown-up to do, taking your bigger goal into account.
you can make decisions. Food can get in its rightful place in your life. And so it supports your beautiful life. I'd love to know what you think about all this. You can always reach out to me, DM me at Stephanie Fine MD. And if you want to work on this, I am so happy to do it. Come to stephaniefinemd.com and click the lose weight with me button. I am sending you so much love. Mwah. If you follow, share, rate and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous. Fabulous.